Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. Well, we're going to be finishing up the book of John, like I said, and so you can go ahead and turn there. And there is so much substance in this last little bit of the book that um, I'm going to have to really cram it because obviously baptisms takes a little longer in a service, and so to, to try to compromise with that and have a little bit shorter of a sermon, but a lot of content to go through, and so I encourage you, join Wednesday Night Bible Study this coming Wednesday, and uh, we're going to dig deeper into this far more than we will right now uh, or have the opportunity to right now, and so join us because I'm sure you'll have questions. I will not be able to answer all of them what this text has to offer. So join us on Wednesday as we dig deeper into it. Wednesday night Bible study at 6.30. The whole book of 1 John, though, um, if you've been with us now, I think this is week 20 or something like that, through this five-chapter book. And through the whole book, its goal has been, or John's goal has been, to give Christians a confidence in their relationship with God. To give you a confidence that you have God and you're in relationship with Him. I mean, he even says this that uh, multiple times in the letter. Uh, in chapter 2, verse 3, I think he says, By this we know, this kind of phrase he uses a lot, By this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. It's chapter 2, and then, and then just a little bit later, By this we know that we are in Him. Whoever says that He abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which Christ walked. And so John's big goal in the whole letter is finding confidence that you are in Christ and that you know Christ. Even the last verse that we read last week, leading up to today's passage in chapter 5, verse 13, he says, I write these things to you. At the very end of the book, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. John wants you to have confidence that you are walking with Christ, that you have Christ, that you have God with you everywhere you go. And so, I hope our time to, in this book has deepened your confidence that you are walking with God, that you know God, that He knows you. I hope that you have that confidence today. And today, this final week through the book of 1 John, is really... a about because you have God, you have other blessings that come from knowing Him. Because you're confident you have God, now you can have confidence that you have these other things as well that come with knowing God. Of course, knowing God is the greatest gift, the greatest treasure, the greatest privilege, but with knowing God comes additional privileges and blessings. So for the brothers that were baptized I want to speak directly to you guys. You know God. You're walking with God now. And knowing that, what other privileges, what other blessings can you now know you have in your life? And not only the two gentlemen, obviously, I want to speak to everybody. If you're walking with God today, I want to encourage you and bolster your, your joy. Because you know God, let me tell you what other privileges you have. And if you don't know God, if you aren't walking with God just hear what kind of privileges you could have if you knew him personally. So I want to talk to everybody today about what it means 
to know God and what else comes with that. So let's jump right into it. I want to read from verse 13 now through the rest of the book. Verse 14 is where we're starting at. Let me read it all and then we're going to walk through it. This is the confidence that we have towards Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we've asked Him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ, He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. That's the book. That's the end of the First John. And I think in that conclusion there, John is giving you three encouragements. Because you know God, you can know Firstly, you have God's ear. Because you're a child of God, brothers, Christian, because you're a child of God, you have God's ear. Of course, you can think of it like a, like a child. They know they have mom's ear. They have dad's ear. When they call out, mom and dad jump up. I was even just thinking about, I was sitting here when band, the band was practicing, and none of you all were here. And the band was practicing this morning. I was sitting here listening to him, and I heard crying coming through that door, and Colby on our band, she points and looks at me, and I threw my iPad to the side, and I jumped up to run over and see what was going on. I didn't know what was going on. It was Judah crying. He was fine. (laughs) But he has his daddy's ear, and as soon as I hear that crying, I jump up. What's wrong? What's wrong, son? Because you're a child of God, you have God's ear. And I hope it goes without saying that's greater and more amazing, more incredible than having even the president's ear, your favorite movie star's ear. You have God who reigns over all, who rules the galaxies. You have his ear and his attention and his concern. When you're his child. Wow. That's what it says, doesn't it? In verses 14 and 15. It says this is the confidence that we have towards him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, I want you to track John's train of thought here with me, would you? Verses 14 and 15. Firstly, 
if we pray according to God's will, He hears us. Okay? Pray according to God's will, He hears us. And if He hears us, verse 15, we know that we have the request that we've asked of Him. So just follow John's train of thought there. If we pray according to His will, He's going to hear it. If He hears those prayers, we can know that He's going to give it. Maybe not immediately. Now, this is not saying that he's going to give you everything that you ask for, right? Only those which are in his will. Because he hears our prayers that are in his will. And those prayers he gives us. Okay, so let's, let's consider now a couple things that we need to probably ask ourselves. Firstly, this means that we need to know God's will for us, don't we? So we can pray it. So we can pray according to that will. And you might say, yeah, that'd be great. Tell me the secret. <laughs> Tell me how I can know God's will for my life. Well, I think honestly, and I won't go off on a tangent here, but I think a lot of the times we want to know little parts about God's will that are honestly way down on the totem pole of importance when it comes to God's will for you. We want to know, God, tell me, tell me where do I need to move and when do I need to move? Tell me, God, what, what clothes to wear? Who should I marry? And that seems really big, doesn't it? Not the clothes part, the, the marrying part. It seems really big, but actually on the totem pole of things, it's not. God, when should I refinance? Tell me. The reality is, is that actually God's will is revealed to you in this book. A lot of things. God says in this book, He says, this is my will for you. This is what I want for you. This is what I desire for you. This is what I have planned for you. It's all in this book. And we're not as interested in hearing those parts. The best way that you can know God's will for your life is invest your life in knowing this book front and back. It is. And you will know a lot about God's will for you and what He wants for you. I mean, isn't that what Romans 12.2 says? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? Reading, soaking this up. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know His good and perfect, pleasing will. Romans 12. Be transformed by this book and in so doing, know God's will for your life. So this means we've got to know God's will, right? So we can pray according to it. But beyond that, church... When we know God's will, you ready? You have to be willing to pray according to it. You have to be willing to pray for that. Even or especially when it goes against your own desires. You have to know God's will and then you have to be willing to pray according to God's will. Alright, because I, I think... Can I just be honest? The reality is a lot of us know what the Bible says about a lot of things. Relationships, holiness, sex, making good decisions. We know, actually, I think a lot of us know a lot about what this book has to say. But we simply don't want to pray, your will be done. But rather, your will be changed. Right? And this is when, according to John, 1 John 5, 14 and 15, we need to be like Christ saying, 
not my will, but your will be done. I need to know your will, and then I have to be willing to pray according to that will, even or especially when it's against what I want. Pray according to his will. He'll hear those prayers, and he will give you the request that you have asked of him. You have God's ear. It's incredible. Prayer is a lot less about what you want and more about aligning yourself with what God wants. I think we get that backwards a lot. We treat God like a genie, like a vending machine. Prayer doesn't transform God, it transforms you. Prayer is not about what you want, it's about aligning yourself with what God wants. I think we've really lost that understanding of prayer. Pray according to His will. We have God's ear, it's amazing, and not only for ourselves, but also we even have God's ear when we pray for other people. And I hope your prayer life, and you'll have to take an honest assessment and inventory of your own life, but I hope your prayer life isn't only or even mainly about yourself, but that your prayer life would be heavily about other people. And when you do pray about other people, you have God's ear. That's what it says in verses 16 and 17. He's talking about praying for a brother or praying for another person, and God listens to those prayers. Right? If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. You can pray for your brother and bring life into his life. You have God's ear when you pray for other people. And he says, keeps going, to those who commit sin that does not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I don't say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. I don't know about you, but immediately I've got some questions. Are you with me? I hope you're with me. I've got some questions, right? What are sins that are not leading to death? Right? Ephesians 2, 1, right? That we, are, we were once dead in our trespasses and our sins brought death. Ephesians 2, 1. So what is John talking about? Sins that don't lead to death. And, and then beyond that, why would we not pray for someone who's committing sin that does lead to death? Wouldn't you think that would be when to start praying? What do we do here? I got some questions. <laughs> well, again, come to Wednesday night. We can't unpack all of this in its entirety right now, but let me give you a couple interpretations um, that I think are reasonable in understanding these verses and understanding these confusing concepts. Firstly, there's this interpretation of these passages that would understand John to be talking about physical death, like literally phys physically dying, right? We should pray for the person who sins as long as they're still breathing. Maybe they've sinned and it's brought a lot of hurt and heartache and pain. Maybe it's left them in a coma at the hospital, but they're still alive. Pray for the person that has sinned and it hasn't led to death. Keep praying for them as long as they're still breathing, and he's saying there's, there's no need to pray for the person whose sinful decisions led to their death. They're dead. 
and glory. Wherever they're at, they're their eternal state. No need to pray for them anymore. If that's a Christian, of course, there's a couple examples that we have from Scripture, right? Ananias and Sapphira, they gave their tithe. They lied about it. God struck him down and carried him out of the sanctuary. They could have very well been Christians and their sins led to death. There are consequences still to our sins, practically speaking, in our lives, which we still might be Christians, but they bring consequences. Uzziah in the Old Testament touches the ark. He's a priest. He loved God, but he touched the ark and God struck him dead for it. A consequence that led to his death. It could be that John is saying, you know, pray for the person that sins and it doesn't lead to death. But if the Christian is speeding down the highway and it does lead to their death, they crash. You don't need to pray for them anymore. It could be that. Second interpretation isn't so much that he's talking about physical death, but actually spiritual death that comes from committing the unforgivable sin mentioned in Mark chapter 3. Could be that. Could be that. Unforgivable sin. You're like, what is that? I need to make sure I'm not doing that. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people are like, Am I, is, that, is that me? Have I done that? Am I? I would say, well, if you're really concerned if you've committed the unforgivable sin, you haven't. If you're really worried that you aren't walking with Jesus and you really want to be, and you're like, man, has he given up on me? I don't want him to have given up on me. I can see evidence in your life that he hasn't given up on you. So just comfort for the person that is worried about the unforgivable sin. But, but it, John could be talking about that, couldn't he? We should pray for the person who's struggling with sin, but there is a point to eventually stop praying, perhaps? If they are openly blaspheming the Holy Spirit, regularly no regard for Christ. Let me say, if, if it is this one, and it could be. We see a lot of psalms that are called imprecatory psalms where they are prayers for the damnation of their enemy. We see that in Scripture. And so it, th- that could fit that theology. And If that is the interpretation, let me say this. You should be very slow, very slow, if ever, to think that somebody in your life fits that description. Generally speaking, 99.9% of the time, I would assume Paul's words, pray without ceasing. Keep praying for them. I think we would be hard-pressed to find a scenario where we'd say, they've hit that point, I'm going to stop praying for them. But possibly that could be it. Regardless... We can't go down this rabbit hole too long. Regardless, let's not forget John's big point. As a Christian, you have God's ear, both for yourself, as we pray according to God's will, and as you pray for other people. You have God Almighty's ear as a born-again Christian. Secondly, because you're a child of God, you can know that you have God's protection. Not only God's ear, but God's protection over your life. What an incredible thing. From sin, from the devil, God watches over you. This verses 18 and 19, we're still just marching through the passage. 
says, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he was, he, that's God, Christ, he who was born of God protects him. And the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. As a Christian, you have God's protection from Satan, from sin. You say some maybe difficult realities to hear, especially if you're not walking with God. But without God, the devil has so much power over you. Without the Holy Spirit indwelling in your life, without God with you, let me just give you a, a warning, non-Christian, if that's you, the, pow- the, the devil has so much power over you. It's true, it's, that's verse 19, right? The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. I mean, see in Ephesians 2. You were dead in your trespasses in which you once walked following the course of the power of the air. That's the old reality for Christians. You were dead. You once walked following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now in the works of the sins of disobedience. That's an old reality for a Christian. That's a current reality for non-Christians. And you might want to object. That's not true. Judah right now, he's in a He's in a stage where he wants to argue about everything. Let's go to the kitchen. No kitchen. No, we're going to the kitchen. No kitchen. No walk. Like, Judah, start walking. No walk. And so he just wants to be a contrarian on everything. And um, we're working on him. But maybe, maybe you right now would say, no, I'm good. He does not have a grip on me. He does. He does. The reality, and, and we can go even beyond what John says in 1 John 5, and if we just looked at his gospel, you won't, you won't see it on the screen, but John 14, he says, Satan is the ruler of this world, the world that you live in. Satan's the ruler of this world, and if you're an unbeliever, John 8 says, he's your father. John 8 says, Satan's your father. And this means you won't be able to get out of the cycle of sin, out of the grip of sin in your life. You have no protection against this power over you if you're not a Christian. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says that he's even blinded your eyes so that you can't even see how great God is and what you're missing out on. He's blinded your eyes and you're just walking in the dark and he's got complete control over where you're walking. But with God. It says God opens our eyes so we can see. With God, we have the protection of the Son of God. Right? In verse 18, it says that He protects us. That He who was born of God, that's Christ, the Son of God, He who was born of God protects Him. And the evil one does not touch Him. Something really neat, I'm nerdy, so I want to share share with you a little bit of nerdiness. Same word for protect there is used when describing what the centurions were doing outside of Jesus' tomb. They were standing guard, not letting anybody come in and out. That was their orders. And they were standing there with spear in hand and sword on their hip, protecting, standing guard. 
And it's amazing, the same word, John says, he who is greater than, he who is greater than Satan, him who's in the world, protects you. Christ in us, kind of like a bodyguard. Not only a bodyguard, but a bouncer. Yeah, like a bouncer at the doors of our hearts and of our minds. Satan can't touch you. Now, still have struggles, right? Still targeted. But there's a new strength. There's a new resistance. And we're finally able to live without the grip of sin on us. It's with God. You have God's ear. You have God's protection. And lastly, you have God's love. Because you're a child of God, you have God's love. Verse 20. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding and so that we may know Him who is true and we are in Him who is true in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Like, now, how does that have to do with love? Let me explain how that has a lot to do with love. You know, you can see God's love for you by looking at the rescue mission He went on to save you. How much He loves you. We know that the Son of God has come. He's given us understanding so that we may know Him. You can see God's love and what He did for you just so you can have a relationship with Him. Ephesians 1.4 says that He chose us from the foundations of the world. Back before God even created anything, He had already chosen you for adoption as sons and daughters. But then He lived it out. In history, He was born. He was hunted, right, when He was a baby. Had to run to Egypt with His parents. He was hidden. He suffered. He was persecuted. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was murdered, why would he go through all that? Well, he came so that you would know him. He did all of that so that you could know him. Know more about him, what kind of God he is, and know more of him relationally. So in this, we can see how much God loves his children. Hear me, Christian. In seeing what Christ did, you can see how much he loves you. So as a Christian, we can know that we have God's ear. We can talk to God Almighty. We have God's protection. He stands guard over our hearts and minds, protecting us. And we have God's love. And He shows how much He loves us by what He did on the cross. So what do we do in response to that? Knowing that we, God's given us His ear, His protection, and His love, what do we do in response? There's only one thing. We worship. We say thank you. We worship in song. We're about to do that. We worship in our daily devotions. We worship in our lifestyle and obedience and holiness to him. We worship him by saying, you're my Lord. Thank you. And that's what verse 21 is, the very conclusion of all of this. Because you know you're a Christian, keep yourselves from idols. Because he gives us his ear because he gives us his protection, because he gives us his love, because we know that we are his children. Be devoted to him. Love him.
follow him. It's an incredible thing to know that you're a child of God. If you don't today, today's a great day. Today's a great day. And I would love to talk to you. I'll be up at the front to pray with anyone that needs prayer. Please come up and pray or talk to somebody else or talk to me after service. Today would be a great day to step into the family of God, to know him and all the privileges that come with knowing him. Let me pray for us. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com.